Hello and welcome to Dear Human series of podcasts that will answer the questions which kept bothering you for so long. I'm your host Kunshana Anjali and today we are going to talk about a very interesting topic which is none other than the history of LGBTQ in Sri Lanka. The history of sexual minorities in Sri Lanka dates back to a couple of centuries before the start of the Vikram Samvat era, around 300 BC. Although it is highly likely that archaeology predating this period exists, there are virtually zero historical records of sexual minorities in the Latin script dating prior to colonialism. The concept of Sri Lanka did not exist prior to colonialism and the term Lanka translates to island. The traditional legal codes of Lanka did not criminalize or actively discriminate against sexual minorities. It is believed that gender stereotypes were less important and more blurred during this era. The concept of sexual minorities was widely known in the prevailing Hindu culture by the time Gautama Buddha founded his philosophies. The monastic disciplines of the island explicitly contained homosexual sex alongside a variety of prohibitions against heterosexual sex and it explicitly stated that these rules were only to be applied to monks and not to the common people. It is notable that masturbation is not considered a serious offense by the order. A sexual nonconformist is stated as being pandaka. These people were discriminated against in the sense that they were not allowed to be ordained as a monk. It has been thought that these people are hermaphrodites or inuits, though a modern concept found on the island called nutchies might also be the best translation referring to effeminate homosexuals who engage in sex work. Sri Lanka has the longest unbroken history of adhering to Buddhism. In the 5th century of the Christian calendar, the monk Buddha Gosa attempted to explain pandakas in his scriptures to the Buddhist lay people. Other records simply stay silent on the subject. For example, the Upasakajana Lankara, a guide for common people written in the 14th century of the Christian calendar, discusses sexual misconduct in depth but makes no mention of homosexual sex. A number of same-sex relationships were discussed in a variety of poems and literature, such as the literature of Kunavamsa. However, these do not venture into deep eroticism and can also be viewed as a very intense romance. The Buddhism followed in Sri Lanka does not hold the view that sexual minorities would have been discriminated through the philosophies forwarded by the Buddha. Homosexuality is not specifically targeted in the Buddhist scriptures that are followed on the island and it is thought that this is because Buddhism did not view homosexuality as a topic of concern. The Tripitaka does, however, contain passing references to homosexuality and transsexuality. 
For example, homosexuality is found in a case of a monk called Wakkali, who became a monk due to his intense attraction towards Buddha. Or transsexuality in a case of a man who converted to a woman and married another man. We also find a case where a novice monk masturbated to a high ordained monk. Buddhism in Sri Lanka mostly focuses on sex on a non-discriminatory basis. It holds the view that sex and sexual thoughts are a hindrance in general to follow the path towards Nibbana. Premarital sex is considered immoral. However, it does accept post-marital sex and considers it as an obligation between married couples. This is reflected in modern-day discussion about sex, including discussion on same-sex relations. The monastic rules state that monks should be celibate, but not that these rules do not extend to the lay people. Groundwaves shares the opinion that Sri Lanka without colonial influences would have probably held a similar culture to that of Thailand. With the colonial expansion of European empires to the island also came missionaries from the European church. Dutch traveler Johan Stavrinus reported that the male homosexuality, I quote, is not only universal in practice among them, but extends to a bestial communication with broods and in particular with sheep, unquote. An observer in the 16th century, most likely a priest from the European Church of Ethnic European Descent, claimed that, I quote, the sin of sodomy is so prevalent that it makes us very afraid to live there. And if one of the principal men of the kingdom is questioned about if they are not ashamed to do such a thing as ugly and dirty, to this, they respond that they do everything that they see the king doing, because this is the custom among them." Uncaught. Englishman John Knox, who by this time had lived in the country for 20 years, wrote about the kin of Candy. I quote, Most of his attendants are boys and young men that are well favoured and of good parentage. For the subline himself with this, he gives order to his disavers or governors of the countries to pick and choose out boys that are comely and of good descent and send them to the court. These boys go bareheaded with long hair hanging down their backs." Uncaught. So that's the end of the today's podcast. I'm Kunchana and this is Dear Humans. Let's meet on another day with another episode. Thank you and take care.